Hey y'all, hey, it's Malika Salam. What's poppin' y'all, it's Amina. And today I am here, my name is Lisa. And so we are here with our special guest and family friend, Lisa. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> we wanna welcome you to the Intersection Podcast. So the Intersection Podcast is where we will share our perspectives on society and culture through the lens of our intersections. Couple of brief reminders before we get started. We have three agreements that we ask you to continue to uh, participate in with us. One, we ask you to engage with us. We do love that you like, share, and subscribe, but we love it even more when you actually reach out to us and have conversations because that's a big part of what this is about. The other thing is we want um, to let you know to expect to experience discomfort. All of the things that we talk about are not necessarily sunshine and rainbows and pop culture. And we want you to know that that's okay. To that end, we also ask you to expect and accept non-closure. We don't have any letters behind our name. We are not professionals in any particular medical industry, um, healing industry. I'm a life coach, but other than that, I am not licensed or certified to give you any type of therapy. Are y'all licensed and certified to give people yeah, therapy? No. Actually, <laughs> there was this one time in 68. No. <laughs> so all of the things that all of the things that we say here and share here, all of the advice that we give um, comes from our heart and our experience, but also um, expect non-closure. You may not leave with any complete answer and that's okay. We don't have all of the answers and you don't have to have all of the answers. Um, our rude dogs who are like wrestling right now also don't have all of the answers. <laughs> uh, but having conversations is one way for us to take a look at and converse about and unpack some of these things. So this week we are meeting at the intersections of young, gifted blackness and vulnerability. So I will be taking more of a backseat once I do all of the kind of preliminary talking at the beginning and um, just letting these young women express their experiences and just kind of, you know, asking questions as things come up organically. Um, so before we get into this week's scenario and what that has brought up for us, Let's talk about what y'all been doing. So, what have y'all been doing, Lisa and what Amina? You been doing, Lisa. Um, you know, just trying to like chill during this quarantine, during this COVID nineteen craziness. But um, this weekend has been really fun with you guys, and I definitely need to spend more time at your house because it's very nice. This energy is nice. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we do our best. A, we do have to pay her to say that, y'all. Well, we can. We can. I promise. Hey, <laughs> you never like don't ever feel obligated to say something like that. No, nope, ever. Yeah. But truly, yes. No, this is our lived experience. Yeah, we seriously. appreciate having you here. It is nice to have um, other people and outside perspectives, and you know, just get to know other people's energy and how other people function. And so, I've enjoyed having um, you, and I appreciate you going on Adventure Time with us today. Yes, it was fun. It was different. Like, um, I feel like my family is trying to be more spontaneous, but we're not. We're just not there yet. You know, it's hard. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. I'm yeah. also someone who's very like plan oriented. I like having a plan. I like having a set of things to do. And when it's like go with the flow, it's a little bit hard for me. But you know, I'm getting used to it. So this was very nice experience. I can absolutely relate to that. You saw me doing my planner and like yep. laying things yep. out. I'm very meticulous <laughs> about it. And so um, I also, one of the reasons why I do that though, like one of the reasons why I have like very stringent plans 
is because I function well when I have a plan and yeah. then I know how much time that I have to kind of be wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. couldn't be wild like 24 hours right. a day. Like I can't have like a like 16 hour day of being wild. <laughs> I got a good four hours, like yeah. a tight yeah. four hours. Yes. A tight four. Right, a tight four of wildness. <laughs> um, but I know what that tight four looks like because I- You gotta spread out, out your wild. Yeah. Yeah, because you burn out just being wild all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it was um but we've also learned to do that. We always we didn't always have the ability to do that. Uh, there have been times where I have worked corporate or I've worked management mm-hmm. or there's been something that required me to be on a very tight schedule and not have that time. Um, I also realized that this is the last year that Amina will be at home. Next year you guys will be off on your adulting adventures. Scary. Um, (laughs) It's scary and exciting. It is. It's all the emotions. And even if your parents don't say it, like I'm very, very open and honest about that with my children. Like I am taking advantage of all of this time now because I really do know that this is kind of wrapping it up before they go out into the world. And so I want to um, make the most of this time together. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah, doing these little adventures is wonderful mm-hmm. um looking for a seeded watermelon like people don't understand <laughs> how important that is to me i have found seedless watermelons everywhere and i almost yes. almost bought a seedless watermelon to the house like fine it's it, it's august now like <laughs> watermelon season is almost over i'm just gonna have to get a seedless watermelon but lo and behold the one. sky opened up and the lord said i, I love, love you malika <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I found a seeded watermelon. So there you go. Um, adventures, adventures, adventures. Um, so are you reading anything or watching anything? Or? Reading. So I just finished reading this book called Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, and I recommend anyone read it. It was very good talking about um, how diet culture really began and how it's perpetuated our society to the modern day and like how it's morphed and changed over the decades since it started. And one of the biggest, you know, interesting things that I took away from it is how being fat used to be something that was um, very um, soft towards because it represented wealth, because it represented you having prosperity. If you're fat, you've got a lot to eat. eat. Yes, Yes. (laughs) and a lot of people were like, I can't eat much, so they were skinny. And so that was something that was very interesting to me. And, um, but like the whole book has a lot of great information and things that you can take away and think about. So that's what I've been reading. I've been watching, I just told you guys about Down to Earth Mm -hmm. uh, with Zac Efron. That's on Netflix. It's a great, great series. He goes around the world talking about different things like water and accessibility with water or renewable energy, um, even sustainable living. He went to Costa Rica to um, meet with some expats and stuff. It's very interesting. So that's what I've been watching. And I just started Euphoria last night and it's really good. So that's what I have to say. And, <laughs> and we got you started on Fresh Off the Bow. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's definitely funny. Yeah, I like it. So that's awesome. Did you want to new shows, Brynn? Mina, what you been up to? I um, they took me off the schedule for work this week, so I ain't too happy about that. So I got to call my job today. Um, but other than that, still promoting my business trying to be a great entrepreneur. Um, right, because you're a nail tech. Yes, so 
my job really is money to like invest more in my business because I do eventually like want to have a nail salon. Like that's another business I want to start. Um, but yes, or another business I want to further myself into. Um, but yes, aside from that, still reading Song of Solomon. I haven't picked it up in a few days though. So just getting my life together. Um, still planning. I planned two weeks in a row. So I'm very proud of myself. And my mama has been keeping me on my P's and Q's. And I'm adding a little bit more each time, you know, getting better. So yes, spending time with Lisa, one of my uh, <laughs> great girlfriends, my you. sister, my cheetah sister. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I've eaten a lot of Asian food this week. Yeah. A lot of Asian food. Love and it though. I like <laughs> so good because it's very lie. light. It's I noticed so that light. a lot yeah. of their food is very, very light. Yes. And if you go to the right place, mm-hmm. it's fresh. Yep. And I love fresh food, especially trying to cross over um, to being plant-based, you know, and just eating more, was it holistically? Kind of? Whole, yeah. food. Whole foods. Whole yeah. food, plant-based. Yeah. So... Um, that has been very fun. And what else? Studying for ACT, ACT, which I didn't do today, but I will do today. Um, prepare for the new school year. Um, they messed up my schedule. Yes, a big sigh. A big sigh because they did mess up my schedule. So that is a little setback, but it's for a major comeback. I know this year, this is my senior year of high school. Right. So I know yes. it's going to be so chill mm-hmm. and i'm really only thing i am looking towards this year is just applying to colleges yeah that's it that's, so uh, and the fact that yeah. so many hbcus are not requiring you to have the act and act score i'm still going to take the test um as many as many times as i can but just to know that that requirement is not there like is lifts the pressure off exactly of it. yeah for so, sure very excited for that and that is about it watching fresh off the woods because this is the thing i was watching it at first but like i was like kind of watching it kind of not watching it but then i sat down and really watched the episode with you and i was like hold up why haven't i been paying attention i was getting into it i just wasn't paying attention to yeah. it mm-hmm. and so now i'm watching it again it's like hello because this show is really good like and asata told me to watch it years ago when it first came out like 2015 2016 yeah and i was like okay i'll watch it i'll watch it but like really watching it is really a good show so i remember yeah. when fresh off the boat um came out mm-hmm. because we had just gone to uh, misadventures the misadventures of awesome uh, awkward black girl had just come out. We've mm-hmm. gone to Issa Rae. Um, Issa Rae. Yeah. We yeah. actually went to meet Issa Rae. Um, we actually met Issa Rae. Yeah. We went to really? Really her cool. book signing. Um, she did a thing in Arkansas. We went over there with the podcast I was yeah. on at the time. And um, she was talking about it. And she was mm-hmm. talking about Yvonne Orgy and just all of these mm-hmm. things that were coming up. And this was before Insecure yep. ever became a show. This is when uh, The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl was still a web series. Yep. Um, so I do remember when Fresh Off the Boat was introduced, but again, I tend to not like watch things and be into things when mm-hmm. they first come out. Um, so they actually just ended this year in May. So they had a six year, um, a six season run. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing as well. Obviously. What is with us watching these six season run shows? Because we just watched uh, How to Get Away with Murder. And it was also seasons. six seasons and it also ended in May. Exactly. So, wow. Yeah, it's um, also ABC shows. So yeah. Also ABC yeah. shows. So, um, and ABC is one of those things like that was what we watched on Friday nights. It was, you know, TGIF and it was the Friday night, you know, shows and, you know, family shows and sitcoms. Yes. So yes. definitely that tie in. Um, but watching Fresh Off the Boat has been very nuanced mm-hmm. and there's so many things that just cross over like my family is not I'm not a first generation American you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I'm on one side probably a third generation American mm-hmm. uh, yeah my mom would have been first generation so it's like there are things that I recognize from the cultural differences in our families um with my aunts, they're first generation Americans, their mother was Japanese. So it's like, I've seen those cultural things, but it's so interesting watching them across this kind of, uh, like how how these how these cultural nuances cross over. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, even though they are a Taiwanese immigrant family, there are things that I see in them that I recognize as um, also being, you know, culturally relevant to black folks mm-hmm. or culturally relevant to um latinx folks so it's very interesting to yeah. just watch it and be like oh chinese mamas are like that i say this every week because i've been watching it but like <laughs> that's what i'm watching i'm watching fresh off the boat also and so i was happy to introduce lisa to it because <laughs> i also know yeah. that your family um immigrated to the state yes yeah, so i'm a first generation american so that's how i can kind of relate to it although like it's i can see the parallels in like my general family but like my um what do you call it nuclear family mm-hmm. it's very it's not very traditional mm-hmm. um but i still can see those influences of being the daughter of immigrants mm-hmm. um and having a whole family of immigrants mm-hmm. so yeah it's yeah. very interesting well yeah. i'm glad you like it because that's why i was like lisa might like this <laughs> let's show it to lisa yeah. see what she thinks so, yeah, i get lisa. interested very easily in things i'm not very picky so Good. Well, that's yeah fun. so yeah we've been watching it pretty regularly and having discussions around all of the things that mm-hmm. come up um i did a little extra research on eddie huang because like i knew he was a comic, but I didn't know. And of course I knew that he was an author because the Mm -hmm. show was based off of the book, but it was very interesting to go and also read like his critiques of the show. Like he was not happy with the show in the beginning. He was like, this is a very whitewashed version of what my book was. Mm -hmm. And so, and I was like, but I can see that like, there are certain things that they say, but he was like, you know, they had to make it palatable for For the the television uh, general public. So Yeah. yeah, that part. And I was like, I get that. I get how things get, you know, watered down and whitewashed mm-hmm. sometimes. So it's just interesting finding out that and finding out that he's like a restaurateur and like mm-hmm. all of these things. And even how the book, the show, and the um, the show that he did for Viceland are all kind of different iterations of Fresh Off the Boat. So it's like you get his direct version in the book, which is not, you know, watered down and not, you know, it's not a sitcom. Yeah. It doesn't it's have a, a concentrated specific, version. <laughs> it's not a specific, you know, formula for it. And so you get kind of that watered down version, then you get a very direct, concentrated version. And then on Viceland, he actually, on some of those shows, he would have his 
um, family on the show. So his his dad is actually Lewis, and his mom is actually Jessica, and his brother is actually Emery and Evan, and they have you know done these different um, shows where they talked about you know these different things. So you get to also see what happens when. Um, when the camera isn't rolling per se, like mm. there was a there was a time that they went to Hooters in Orlando, which is on the site of what used to be the actual um, Huang's Cattleman's Steakhouse. Right. Oh. So they go and they're having the Hooters, whatever. And he asks his dad about the General um, Sal's chicken, and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, it's great. The flavors, blah 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 blah." And then he asked him again, and he's like, are the cameras rolling? And he was like, no. He was like, oh, it was terrible. It was awful. Like, why did they do that? The chicken. But that's the reality, right? Yeah. Like, the way that, um, and I think this is probably a good place for us to segue into the conversation, the mm. ways in which we show up in the world, the ways in which you guys are showing up in the world is very different from Absolutely. what I showed up as at your age. Like I can remember very clearly where I was at that point mm-hmm. and the things that I was um, rebelling against because so much is, was like taboo. And mm-hmm. I had really no idea who I was. I just knew that I was fighting against all of these ideas of who I was in my nuclear family, in my larger family, in my community that didn't feel right for me that didn't mm-hmm. feel authentic for me mm-hmm. so um so yeah i'm gonna turn it over to you guys and you guys okay. can talk about well what intersections are we meeting at today um oh i said that in the beginning so we're meeting at the intersections of young gifted blackness yes. and vulnerability i yes. like that okay so um whew, vulnerability where do we start <laughs> Look, so let me so I, so we were going to use a different thing um as the centerpiece but i think fresh off the boat might be our centerpiece for just being authentic and vulnerable and mm-hmm. real yeah. in all of the different ways we show up because there's yeah. an awesome, awesome video that um i show but i think the only thing from that video that i really want to say is warm, warm love. love yeah <laughs> yeah that concept is stuck with me and i'm just like oh we need warm love but we can even talk about that yeah. in the context of what we see in fresh off the boat and love. how the parents are in fresh off the boat right mm-hmm. so lewis is um definitely the parent who has the warm love like yeah he's he is the parent yes. who's like oh that's what you want to do and that's who you are i love you and i support you and, and his mother is like and, no yeah. you need to be a good chinese boy yeah, yeah. being a good chinese and, boy. and being a good chinese boy looks like this mm-hmm. yeah. which is super difficult because eddie mm-hmm. is like and then there's a whole thing that we could talk about right eddie about eddie <sighs> But is it cultural depreciation or is it cultural appropriation? I think it's a little bit of both. Right, because he grew up in D.C., mm-hmm. so it's right. like he grew up in in that in that area in that era. So I don't judge that these are things that he's you know taking on as like oh black people are doing cool stuff. Let Yo, me do cool stuff. Like, I think it's nah, like he grew, like, up, grew around up around these people. Right. Right. He's like I grew up around these people and I went to this school and this is what I relate to. Right. So yeah. I think in some ways, like on the show, it can be dramatized as that. And like, you know, just with certain comments. But I think in general, just kind of being who he is, I don't think he personally was appropriating by any means. Um, I was about to say something. Dang it, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, by making him basically kind of the F up in school because Mm -hmm. he... uh, 
associated more with black culture. He made bad grades. You know, you said which this. he didn't actually make. He bad made grades. good like, grades. Yeah, they just weren't as grades. good as his yeah. siblings. Right. Yeah. He made good grades. He actually made it into the honor society. Exactly. Like he he was very smart, but he was not traditional at all. Exactly. And for his family, that really seemed to be a struggle, exactly. except for his grandmother. And I don't know if his, his grandmother, grandmother him, loves him. Loves him. <laughs> I think grandparents just love. Period. Absolutely. And so, grandma didn't seem so focused on yeah. like you have to do things traditionally. She she actually seemed to be the one who was the most accepting. Yeah, of, progressive. Like, listen, we move. Yeah, progressive. Like mm-hmm. we moved to America. I expect that with moving to America, there are some things that are going to change. Yeah. Like my room is set up this way because this is you know what I, what for me what I is like, feels right. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what she grew up around. Right. And because he was exposed to something different. Like, his parents were exposed to, you know, um, China, right? Yeah, Taiwan specifically. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, being from, like, that area, that is what they were exposed to. That's what they grew up around. But, like you said, him growing up around black people is kind of what he has to relate to on his outside world, outside of home. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, that's not, it's not, what is it, um... Appropriation. appropriation yeah it's not appropriating it's, it's, it's appreciation because it's like that's kind of what he knows it's mm-hmm. like white people who grow up in black neighborhoods around black people like there are some people who don't try to be black or you know that's um, trying to be extra ghetto yeah. yeah that's their environment that's what they've grown up around that's what they know yeah so yeah the gary owens and paul walls of the world if you will, if you will, I I definitely relate though, to Rappaport the uh, the um, narrative of like Eddie being an untraditional good student. Yeah, like because you know um, there's whenever you have siblings, that's one of the things that they show in the show is that the, the mom compares him Absolutely. to his younger siblings, which I actually have experienced myself because um, there's when people. There's a certain expectation there. When you don't reach it the same exact way as other people, then you get almost uh, judged or you have critical comments towards you because you learn a different way or you see things or experience or perceive things a different way. So I definitely understand Eddie and like how, like he's a good student, he gets good grades, Mm -hmm. but his mom wants him to go to the Chinese Learning Society Center or whatever to um, impound all these things into into him because she doesn't believe because of his um, certain beliefs or the way that he operates in the world that he is a good student, even though that's not right. true. Intelligent. So yeah. let's so let's shift the lens a little bit uh-huh. and let's you know look at it from our own perspectives, from mm-hmm. your own perspectives, and the types of um, the type of like framework and and like programming that has been directed towards you guys as, as young black women in like society. Like typecasting almost. Right, like yeah. what what are the expectations that you guys have seen, um, the things that you guys have heard, the labels that have been placed on you and how are you guys mm. navigating that? We were just talking the other day about how people, um, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhoods and schools. So, um, and at first, I'm I'm someone who's very observant. Like I look at people and I see them, mm-hmm. and if I see someone who I think deserves, you know, my attention or mm-hmm. like who I believe would be a good um, person to be around, then I'll approach them. But um, 
people see me as the nice girl, the smart, the smart black girl, basically. Um, and so they think that people expect me to be, you know, very nice and kind and like just smart and give them advice and stuff. But then it surprises them whenever I get pissed off about things, when I get angry about things and that there's this, you know, weird double standard about how different students are treated differently, especially based on race. So yeah, I think that's one thing. We were talking about that the other day yeah. and how it's like affected our own, like, Absolutely. I guess, experience. Um, I know growing up like in Memphis and the schools I went to were predominantly black and predominantly black in Memphis is different than predominantly black in Florida. Absolutely. Like predominantly black in Memphis is like you may go to school with one or two white people. But, you know, in Florida, it's more so 70% black mm-hmm. or... Actually, the numbers for Florida, I checked the numbers when we first moved here mm-hmm. and before I put you guys in school and definitely before I started teaching. Yeah. Um, the, the numbers in Florida are actually, when, when it's a predominantly black school, the numbers are closer to like 40% black. Wow. wow. So like not even 70 or That's 80. Not wow. so what, what generally happens if you are in a school that is predominantly black, there is a like a magnet or some type of program mm. and so you see more black students who are in the traditional part exactly. of the school like so, my program right so like your program is a predominantly white program but you're in a predominantly black high school so exactly. your school looks very black except for in that particular program even in the school it's a lot of white traditional kids right so but because every area in st pete like they attract certain types of people and for some of the white kids there who like live on um the south side of st pete there are very nice areas of the south side of st pete that white people live in Mm -hmm. exactly and so those white kids who live in like lakewood estates and so they go to districts exactly Mm -hmm. just traditional kids but you know that's their lies so I think um, just coming from those different areas, I've experienced different things as a black girl, like um, going to the schools I went to in Memphis, I think people expected me to be a pushover. And at some point I definitely was, but um, definitely earlier on in like school and stuff, you know, why you, why you talk white or, you know, Mm. so, and because of how I speak, people expected me to be the smart black girl or so. And I think that also played a role in how serious people took me having issues in school because of how, quote unquote, articulate I am or whatever. They expected me to just know the material off the bat. And so they were like, well, she knows it. She just has to apply, her, mm. apply herself. Right. And I was like, no, like, I'm really struggling, mm. you know. And so, uh yeah i think that's that was my experience in in memphis being the supposed supposedly supposed to be the quote-unquote black girl um and i was told that by other black people like you know what i mean the black excellence or whatever um but no i'm regular black (laughs) um and moving to florida it was similar but more so with white people now like there are so many different kinds of black people out here in florida whether you're haitian jamaican uh cuban like i've mm-hmm. met a lot of black cubans out here and puerto ricans out here mm-hmm. um so i think the white people were more shocked to know that like i know what i know right you know what i mean like 
I, and it hasn't even been things that people have said. It's their reaction to things. Right. Like, like people find me and my sister intimidating. Like when we're in certain spaces, there's this club called the Yap Club, which stands for Young American Patriots. Oh wow! And uh, it's really just a political club where we talk about things mm-hmm. um, politically. That's what it sounds like. Young yeah. American patriot. Yep. Well, I'm not a patriot. At right. All. I'm but like, that's but that's the only place in school where we can talk about political things. Mm-hmm. And whenever I'm in the club, me and my sister are the only black people in that space. So whenever we speak up about our opposing opinions to certain things that may be discussed, where the especially police brutality it's they'll it's there's an energy in the room where mm-hmm. they find us intimidating like we're going to say something we're going to you, you know, guys become the angry black girl yeah exactly exactly, exactly. and that's be, you know and that c- plays into that whole code switching thing yeah where you have to be a certain way at school or around in certain classrooms or in certain spaces with certain teachers and people because right. you got to be fresh they, off the boat the tv show <laughs> yes you have to be uh approachable you know the nice you have to be oh she's nice you know she, i didn't expect that or like oh wow your name is very easy to remember or you, you know really hard that those yeah yeah so. those little microaggressions mm-hmm. and you have to you know be um, act a certain way to be perceived as something other than a negative stereotype mm-hmm. because of those spaces and how people are very uh, much in their own bubble because of the communities they live in. Because, you know, as a minority in a majority white school, they're not exposed to the same things that I am and they don't experience the same things that exactly. I do. And therefore, they don't have the same worldview that I do. <laughs> So, Lisa, I love the point that you made that they don't have the same worldview as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely relate to that because I also grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods most of my life and went to predominantly white schools most of my life. Like almost until, I, I want to say until high school, really. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then high school became very traumatic for me because I had those same things like the, you, you talk like a white girl, you think you're better than us, you're whatever. And it wasn't it wasn't that at all. Um, I just grew up differently and had different experiences. And I wasn't like trying to hold that over anybody's head. It was just my life. And I couldn't understand why I made people so angry. So I've seen both sides of that. Like I've been on the side where I was, you know, in school with people who didn't share a cultural identity with me and therefore we didn't have anything in common. And then I was in school with people who shared um, at the very least racial identity with me, but still culturally we were very different because, you know, we're not a monolith. Mm-hmm. So that, um, so yeah, I definitely get that. So, I mean, you're going to say something. Oh, I'm um, just kind of going back to my experience. Um, so yes, the um, experience in Memphis was much different than the experience in Florida. Like I'm surrounded by so many white people in my program. And so um, being in my school, I definitely still kind of feel that, oh, you talk white, you know, from the black people, but being in my program, it's like I kind of don't fit in anywhere, which right. I don't worry about fitting in when I'm custom made. <laughs> Shout out to Drake. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, being in this program, I shocked a lot of people. Like, oh, she knows this about this. And and I will say, 
very early on, I was doing a lot of crumbling. Like I wouldn't speak up because I was a freshman. And I was like, mm, I don't want to piss yeah. any seniors off or, you know, seem like I'm trying to do the most as an underclassman or whatever. But um, I think I definitely waited to like junior year to like, you know, come out of my box and like speak up and stuff um, because it's in me. And I think when I'm most shocked, my program, like, uh, peers kind of was when we went to a uh, Southeastern theater conference and we did auditions and I got the most callbacks in my class. And I remember that. Yeah. And junior year was extremely hard for yeah. me. And so being the quote unquote smart black girl or whatever, I still don't think people took my needing help like seriously. seriously. Yeah. And so this became the year like my grades were the worst and like, um, the assistant principal for my program was like, this ain't even you. Like, you don't even have a history of your grades looking like this. So like, what's going on? And I'm like, but y'all waited till what? We on our last report card now to, to see this? Like, so. Well, yeah. really right before that, it was like third, it was the third quarter. Yes, it was towards the end of yeah. the third quarter. We, we mm -hmm. talked about this on um, the second episode. Yes, we did. We were talking about mental health and wellness and how people just kind of overlooked that. Mm -hmm. It was like, everything was like, oh, it's not that bad, or mm -hmm. it must be a boy, or you, have you fallen out with your friends? Y'all wait till I'm in here right. in tears to bring that up. Like, right. So yeah, when-, when You literally had to break for them. Like you literally, literally had to break down. and be very emotionally and vulnerable and vulnerable. Yeah, so going to SETC and receiving all of those callbacks, I think they were very shocked and a bit appalled. Like, she hasn't even been here. Like, how is she? Uh, they were they were tight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were tight. Like, because even were... your teachers were like, well, we just don't understand. Like, they were, I was talking to them, right? Like, I was calling them mm -hmm. and I'm an educator. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, we're trying to catch each other on planning and we're trying to catch each mm -hmm. other on lunch breaks and we have different schedules because I'm middle and they're high. And so, like, when I would get on the phone with them, they would be like, well, we just don't understand what's going on with them. And I would have to constantly reiterate, this baby has come to you guys multiple times. And it is the third quarter of this year before anybody reached out to me as a parent and said, hey, this is what's going on. So, um, so yeah, talk, talk about that a little bit more. Um, yeah, just going uh, to guidance counselors, that being neglected, uh, and my class just being so shocked at, like, my even talent, you know, because I'm not traditional, like, music theater. I think I have a, a very soulful voice, whereas most of the people in the program have come up in musical theater. Most of those people have been taking dance classes. They've been tap dancing since they came out the womb, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Whereas me, I literally didn't start doing any of this stuff until high school. And I, I think I've made a lot of progress, but for them to see me be able to do that, like literally I pulled everything together for my SETC audition in about a week. Everything, my song, monologue, everything. And they were like, how the heck did she get more callbacks than us, you know? Um, so I think that was a, a big part of their low expectations for mm -hmm. the black girl in the program. Right. And, oh, she's unfocused. She's probably just, you know, concerned with superficial things. And that's not it. Like, mental health is real, even for black people. 
So, um, yeah, I literally had to reach a breaking point, a just real raw moment with like everybody um, and just be like, you know, hey, I'm human mm-hmm. and I'm not always going to be the professional black girl or, you know, super smart black girl or and and I'm not. And that doesn't make me ghetto or or unfocused or less than like I'm human. And let me ask this question, because it's interesting that you said that I'm not always going to be the smart black girl or the professional black girl. And I think that it's a both and. Mm-hmm. Like, would you agree that it is possible to be the smart black girl Absolutely. and be the professional black girl and also be the vulnerable black Absolutely. girl? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I feel like those things get separated out. They right? do. So it's like you're strong. And when you're being strong, you're aggressive, you're angry, you're all of these And if you're vulnerable, then that is a lack of strength. And exactly. so if you're vulnerable, then that reads as mm-hmm. weakness. And yep. like, but yeah. you're not supposed to be weak because... Right. You're everything, but it's Mm -hmm. like, but I'm everything and I'm out here floundering and I'm telling you I'm floundering and I can't get the help that I need because you've made this projection. You think I'm strong. I hate when people call black women strong because I know what that means. They think, oh, we're aggressive. We're tough tough cookies. We can take anything. We don't don't need need any help. help. Right. And so I'm like, that is so not true. We need help. We're human. Literally. We're human. There was a doctor who literally used to take slave women uh, what was his name? I can't remember his name, but I definitely You can go to my Instagram uh, page and pull his name up. But like, he used to literally use uh, the, the guy who came up with the cesarean section mm-hmm. or something like that. He literally used to take black women slaves and operate on them with no anesthesia, no nothing, because he believed truly in his heart that black women specifically couldn't, couldn't experience pain. pain. And that's why pain. the um, the mortality rate for black women during childbirth is mm-hmm. like two and a half times Absolutely. higher. A woman because, just passed away. In yes, the I just saw, yeah. And it's so terrible because it's those stereotypes of the strong black women. You have to be a certain way, and that plays into the you know the the fear of mm-hmm. showing vulnerability. Like I remember being in elementary school and just crying at the cafeteria table because I was so lonely. I didn't have any community. There was no one who could understand me, you know. But outside of my family, and even then, it was still. You know, it's different. It's different yeah. than having someone outside of your family who's like, I see you and I understand you, yeah. you know, than your sister or your mom, because they're your family. They're There's supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. They're supposed to be there for you, right? Of a, a stranger that you meet in a classroom is just someone you meet and then you happen to grow a connection with, and that's special. And so I never, I didn't have anyone who understood me or understood what I was going through. And people would be like, oh my God, why are you crying? And I would just not tell them because I'm like, you won't even understand it. You're just going to pity me. And we were even talking the other day about like how we've started to, you know, when people say, are you okay? We just say no, because sometimes you're not okay. And people need to see that side that's like, no, I'm not always okay. Sometimes I'm angry. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I'm just not having a good day. Like, and I think that saying that, no, I'm not having a good day and just being human really exposes people to the fact that like, we're not always strong, you know, we're not always resilient. You know, we have days where it's just terrible and we don't, 
feel strong. Absolutely. I think it's so important that you guys are having this conversation now. Um, and we had a very lengthy conversation <laughs> yes. yesterday. Um, and one of the things that, I mean, it, that you said that really um, stood out to me is that vulnerability is ugly, that you felt like vulnerability was ugly because we were yeah. talking about, mm -hmm. you know, beauty and beauty standards and what's beautiful and what's and sexy. sexy. And yes. All of these, yes. Right. All of these things that we're supposed to aspire yeah. to. And it's like, so when you take off all of the superficial things, when you take off all of the layers, when you yeah. lose the eyelashes and the hair and the makeup and How the clothes. How do you feel underneath like, that? Are like you covering up or enhancing? Yeah, like what's up underneath that, mm -hmm. right? Are you using all of these things to cover up or using all of these things to enhance? And it wasn't the physical attributes for you. Like mm -hmm. there were like three physical attributes that were very much like, listen, your facial symmetry is fine. And those are that's a thing that you can work with. It's not like your face is like a... Van Gogh or you know Picasso, yeah. you know what I'm saying? like like it's a good face. It's yes. a good face, you're not beautiful. just because you're yeah. mine Thank and you. I love your face, but yeah. it's, it's just a good face, yes. right? And so it's like you know there are things like that. There are things like you know our our breasts and cellulite and things that change on our bodies, and we go through these shifts, yeah. with stress hormones, yeah. and all of those things. I've so, just changed, especially since a little girl. Like I've just seen people just look at me differently. Like oh, right. you're such a beautiful little girl. What happened? You but know, there are also people who are like, you're beautiful now, who mm -hmm. didn't know you then, who are right. like, you are beautiful now, mm -hmm. and you are dope in real life. And so it wasn't, again, it wasn't any of the physical things, because again, yeah. you can take those things away, you can enhance those yeah. things, you can work on those yeah. things. It was really what's underneath, right? What's at our core? What's the root of this? And mm -hmm. you saying vulnerability was ugly was really the thing that made me say, like, are you guys willing to have this conversation yeah. on the intersection? Because for I some of to. us, yeah. we are, you know, in our 40s, 30s, 20s, 50s, 60s, 70s, just figuring out that we think vulnerability is ugly. And so when we say things like, I don't ask for help, or I have a hard time asking for help, we, we still haven't cored down to the point that it's, we don't yeah. ask for help because it feels ugly to us. Mm -hmm. It feels less than, it feels marred, it feels soiled. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many messages. So the fact that you guys are getting this now, for me is very hopeful. And I said mm -hmm. this to you guys yesterday, like yeah. I have so much hope for the future because you guys have such, you guys have more of a grasp of who you are and yeah. who you are not and yeah. what you're comfortable mm -hmm. with and like setting healthy boundaries for yourself and like just know, knowing how to navigate this in yeah. a way that so many of us didn't when we were teenagers. Right. And so I think it's, I think <laughs> this is why this conversation is so important because yeah. mm -hmm. people need to know that if at your age you can sit in front of adults and you can say to them, listen, adult person who is authority <laughs> and or whatever, they know everything. Right. Right, right. <laughs> like, I need you to know um, that I don't have to be broken in order to need help. Mm -hmm. I don't have to break down. I don't have to be on the edge of death before you help me. I can just <laughs> speak up and say, listen, this shit is hard. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't feel right to me. Therefore, I need some help. Right. And you, person who's in charge, who thinks they know everything, <laughs> yeah. are supposed to be the person helping me. Person who's mm -hmm. in charge of the grizz. <laughs> right. So I think that that's super. Um, I think I think that that for me is why this conversation is super important. Absolutely. I think it's 
it really comes from the messages you're you're told yes. when you're younger, especially so as true. black people. Like, uh, it's what? Oh, you want me to talk? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, you know, as a little girl, like you see things um, on the TV, you see things in newspapers, net magazines, um, even in your own like real life that perpetuate this image of perfection that you're supposed to achieve and that's very impressionable on young kids you know i when i was a kid i felt ugly and i still felt ugly to some degree for a very long time until i started being like why do i feel ugly though you know mm-hmm. and um it's because of those messages of you have to have a thin waist and big hips and perfect boobs and really straight hair nice hair um it can't be nappy um, you have to have nice skin, you know, no uh, body hair, um, and like so many other things, right? And it's like, as a black girl, with this image of basically Eurocentric beauty standards, it's like really hard to feel beautiful, even when people tell you, because it's like, it's it's not them, it's just you, you believe these messages. And so no matter what people tell you, unless you believe these things about yourself, nothing people say is really going to have an impact right Mm -hmm. it's until you uncover for yourself and start telling yourself hey i look good today and like Mm -hmm. i look beautiful and like i'm looking you know fine like (laughs) you know like and telling yourself these messages reminding yourself even when you don't feel that way it's so important and like i'm so happy that like as a 17 year old um i'm going through this because i don't want to let that um, keep myself from being successful. And I think that's a big reason that so many women are afraid of being successful, being CEOs, being businesswomen, because they're afraid, they're like, they don't believe that they deserve it. Mm-hmm. They don't believe that because of who they are, because of the way they look, um, because of their background, their race, their whatever it is, they mm-hmm. don't deserve to have success, have power, um, and be powerful, mm-hmm. you know, in their own rights, you know? And I feel like that sense of agency has been taken from women for a very long time. And it's so important that we start taking that back and saying like, no, I deserve to have this. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I deserve to have, um, you know, success and go for what I want. And it's, you know, so aspirational seeing women like Beyonce, like we were talking about how Black is King was so such a um, important moment for us yeah. because seeing Beyonce embracing her African roots and just being the beautiful, successful woman she is was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, she came from this background and she made it all the way here. Mm-hmm. And even other women like Rihanna or Megan Thee Stallion or whoever, you find inspiring like when you look up to those people and you realize that they're just as human as you you can achieve those dreams that you've been having you know so yeah (laughs) but i think it's really hard to be vulnerable especially when you get those messages and then like the, the double standard with women like we were just talking about the language behind it it's like with men when they're in positions of power um they don't get told the same thing as women right it's, there's the difference even like when you go on a date right and you're like i can take the check people are intimidated by women who have 
their own sense of agency and power. They're, men are intimidated by that because for so long it's been the men, I'll take care of this. And this whole thing with chivalry and, you know, that you like know, men like, have to take care of women, um, the fairer sex and like all of these terms and phrases and beliefs. It's like, it's ingrained into our society and therefore it's taught by, to us by the women in their lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think because of uh, things that we've experienced as black people just having to be so resilient, um, being emotional just wasn't a gift that was given to us. And so even coming up as a little girl, like crying, I was like, oh, you so sensitive. Dang, you can't take a joke. You just sensitive. You just sensitive. And mm-hmm. I would really like just pray to God that my sensitivity would be taken away and that I could just take a joke. Um, but no, people are mean, first of all. Um, second of all, you're entitled to your emotions. You're human. Like if you don't feel any way about, excuse me, um, some form of disrespect or something that humiliation. was just humiliation, embarrassment, yeah. um, something that's just hurtful, there's something seriously wrong because you built an immunity to that. And it's, it's not okay. Like, it's okay to get angry at stuff. It's okay to cry at stuff. Like, I used to be a quote-unquote crybaby when I was young. I think I cry a lot less now that I'm older just because of that fear of vulnerability and getting ugly with people you know um even in school like i used to that was one of my fears like i used to fear so much crying in school because mm-hmm. i was like in public in general like, exactly yeah. and then people start asking what's wrong mm-hmm. and when people ask what's wrong it, it makes, makes you cry, cry harder it like, does stop asking what's wrong please just let me cry like you're already um, boo who crying exactly <laughs> like, like i'm boo crying i'm crying because i'm crying you think i can one. tell you what's wrong in like, that situation like i think 40 percent of it is the situation mm-hmm. the other 60 percent is that i'm crying in public mm-hmm. like y'all all see me um but yeah. i had three instances where i've like cried in school like four actually one including in middle school but like where i just let it go because i was like uh-uh like this too much i'm human fuck that like i need to cry right um and like yesterday was me just getting good with that and like fuck it like this makes me feel ugly or um just things that I was told weren't desirable mm-hmm. about myself. Yeah, um, my honesty, honestly, um, my honesty, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> um, body hair, saggy boobs, all of that, like, just wasn't, I wasn't taught that that was desirable until my mom, like, you started doing your own body work and you were like, no, like, it's fine. Like, you're a human. And I look back at pictures before colonization and all of that thing ancient 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 pictures mm-hmm. paintings really of black people and you have uh black women who are made into exhibits like sarah bargain yeah i knew that was coming i felt that in my spirit I was <laughs> yes, it's so real like we were made so differently that they literally made a spectacle of us yeah and so they compare our bodies to white women even if you look and at bmi 
it's ridiculous. It's like we can't even compare ourselves to ourselves. Our bones are denser. We're uh, made of, we're more muscular. Like we're just built totally different. Our it's moves in our DNA. Sag. Yeah. Our hips are wide. Like, and it's just naturally that way. I'm pretty sure everybody was eating about the same thing at that time before GMO stuff. So I think people's bodies just receive things differently. And so to compare us to one body type and yeah. say, this is what you need to aspire to is like extremely unfair. And toxic. And toxic. Oh, for sure. so, so toxic. Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground about Absolutely. youth and giftedness and mm-hmm. blackness mm-hmm. and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that you guys are willing to um, open up and have this conversation. It is important for me. I learn as much from young people as any young person can learn from me. Um, My experiences to share with you guys are simply based on me being on the earth longer, Mm -hmm. Um, but in no way do I think, you know, age is a reflection of our ability to learn or be taught. So I'm very grateful to you guys for being willing to open up and have these conversations. Cause again, I learned so much and I'm able to reflect on a lot of things. And it's important. It's not just important for your peers. It's important for other women who are my age, in the middle, somewhere between us, a little bit older, who have not had these conversations and who have not, have not had space to express this. So um, I applaud you guys for being willing to come on and be so vulnerable. Um, so we are getting ready to wrap up. And let's talk about what our um, resources are for this week. So Lisa, you want to start us off with your resource for this week? So my resource for this week is Therapy for Black Girls, which I think ties in perfectly with our discussion today. Basically, their mission is to provide a space where it is safe to discuss mental health issues and destigmatize mental health within the Black community. Um, Because it's very much stigmatized. Um, So um, that is my research for today. Um, You can find them on Instagram. They have a website. And they provide um, resources to find Black therapists um, that you can work with. And if you need therapy, then that's a great resource for you. Yes, and we'll absolutely, as always, put all of these things in the episode description so that you know how you can get in contact with therapy for Black girls. Amina, what is your resource for this week? Um, again, going along with the theme of giving people what they need, um, we were in a big conversation today about places that are still recovering, um, much like places here um, in America, Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana, still Houston. recovering. Houston, still recovering. Still recovering. So, um, but it just made me think back to a decade ago um, when there was a hurricane in Haiti, Haiti is earthquake Mm -hmm. and they're still recovering from the earthquake. So, so how can we help? Yes. um, You can go to Haiti reconstruction fund.org. And um, it is literally a partnership between the government of Haiti and the international community. So you go to the website, you scroll to the bottom, they tell you how you can donate to them. It's usually by card um, and how you can literally physically help out um, with materials, things like that. So that is my resource for this week. Yeah. One of the things that um, we talked about last week, Rachel and I on the uh, Thursday Food for Thought was that our financial, our not talking about just our financial wellness, 
but really where where are we putting our energy? So mm-hmm. if and I think we talked about this a little bit, right? If time is money, then and money is currency, um, then you know, energy is currency mm-hmm. because money is really energy. And so it's not just about making those financial contributions. Like you said, there are physical contributions. So we're not always all able to, you know, financially contribute, but it's more important to be consistent about the contribution. So yes, it's great if you can do a one-time contribution um, financially, but if you are able to go somewhere and spend some time and put your hands to the soil, those things are all super beneficial. So thank you for sharing that because yeah, it's important for us to remember that even during this time with all of the things going on, there are other people in other places who continue to need support and things for even the simple things that we take for granted. Um, So my resource this week is Style Like You, which is a mother-daughter-led movement celebrating personal style as an expression of freedom and self-acceptance. And I just love, love, love them. I actually found out about Style Like You through um, their YouTube channel where they do the What's Underneath Project. And the What's Underneath Project is a hero series where they take diverse individuals and those individuals are able to claim self-acceptance by stripping down to open up about style, self-image and um, and identity, which is right in line Mm -hmm. with exactly what we're talking about. Sometimes in order for us to get vulnerable, in order for me to become more vulnerable, in order for me to do the body celebration Mm -hmm. work and share that with you, I literally had to strip down. And as I stripped off those labels, along with those labels came some clothes and I got into um, burlesque. And so that was an important part of my vulnerability was like, you know, can I do this? Like this thing that I couldn't even do in my family in front of my you know, children, I was able to do in public, but it gave me the opportunity to be really honest um, and really raw about things. So that is my resource for this week. Um, do you guys want to add anything? We've got a couple of minutes before we close it up. Um, like final thoughts or something? Yep. I think I've covered all my final thoughts in the discussion. Um, mental health matters. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, my final thoughts are that I think that more people should have these conversations, especially like with different pe- people from different generations. Because like you said, these are things that you and people that you know or like even older people have not really discussed or thought about with you know people in their lives. So these are really important things to, um, yeah, to talk about because they definitely affect us very deeply in our lives, so. Awesome, well, we um, we will keep the conversations going. You guys can catch us every Saturday morning. We drop a new episode at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then it's out there for you to listen to it, like, share, um, definitely, like we said, comment uh, on all of your favorite listening platforms. So you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, um our home right here on anchor.fm we're on overcast breaker pocket cast radio public we're going into new places every day if there's a place that you listen to things and you have not found us hit us up and let us know and we will do our best to get on that platform we want to make it as 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 accessible as possible make sure to share it with your people tag us on your posts um you can find us all on ig yeah um 
on Twitter. On yes, Twitter, yep. I'm on Tumblr. Tumblr. I'm on Tumblr. You know I'm on Tumblr. <laughs> uh, and for the old people, Facebook. Yep. <laughs> I do have Facebook. So this has been the Intersection Podcast with Malika, Amina, and our special guest, Lisa. Thank you for meeting us at the Intersection. Peace. Bye, y'all. Bye. Goodbye.